0: You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com.
1: Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome along to the OTI Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, is always bringing this show, joined again once uh, by Doug. And Doug is a little bit uh, under the weather. Hopefully, you're good enough to get through this uh, show, Doug.
2: Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna soldier through it especially for for our main man chris coming
1: on yeah so if chris harris coming up as doug uh, alluded to there chris harris coming up in a few moments and looking forward to talking to him just to restart the show obviously you're listening so itunes stitcher all the ways you can listen to the podcast do give us a rating on there of course hit that subscribe button get each and every show once they go online and it's going to be uh you know next week we're hoping to have two shows so we'll have a lot of shows coming up in the next week, so make sure you are subscribed to get them all once they go online. Doug, obviously the the Scott Fishball has been going on this past week with all the drafts going on, and um, I know you're in it, and I'm in it. Uh, we'll have a little run through our teams. Uh, any players in particular that on your roster that you're really happy with, or uh, really maybe unhappy with, as, uh, after you've got through eight rounds yeah
2: i mean so from what i've been told at least this is my first year doing it that i actually have a really good team and i don't know if they're just saying that in reality and then laughing that oh my god this guy's team is so bad um but i would say that um one of the things i was happy about is um i got demarius thomas in the fourth round um now, I mean, obviously, Demaryius Thomas, you know, in Denver had a horrible QB situation. Still not an optimal QB situation, but uh, ne- it was nearly a, outside of the top 50, despite being, I think, consistently a top 10 wide receiver for the past, I don't know, what is it, three years? Um, so it's it kind of it's kind of hard to, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of hard to justify him going that late, but I'll be more than happy to take him. Um I got So I started off the draft with – even though I tell people I'm never going to draft a running back in the first (laughs) round, I think this kind of defeats it because of uh, the special rules in this case. And I went with Ezekiel Elliott actually over Adrian Peterson. Um, So I'll be very interested. I've been told it's a very good choice, but I'm still nervous. He's a rookie. We haven't seen what kind of workload he'll get. Um, But I would say the one thing I don't like, Uh, Besides the fact that I got Kirk Cousins as my second QB, I really wanted to get Phillip Rivers. He went three picks before me, and I did not like it. It was between Stafford and Kirk Cousins. I felt that Cousins was the better pick. Um, He's in a more pass-heavy offense, I think. Detroit's going to want to run the ball more, and Washington arguably has the worst running game in the NFL right now. So um, there's that. And I have two Browns on my team, and and as people point (laughs) out, Um, I actually do have Duke Johnson on my team um, and uh, Gary Barnage. Uh, I know we'll be talking about the Browns a little bit, so we'll see what Chris has to think about the Browns. Um, <laughs> but um, I have two Browns, and, and as people point out, um, the Browns and the Titans are on byes the first week yeah. of the playoffs yep. for the Scottish Bowl. So I'm wondering if that will come back to hurt me. Um but we'll see. But I think I think overall my team has turned out pretty well so far. So I'll just run down my depth chart real quick and I'll let you talk. So I have Andrew Luck and Kirk Cousins at QB. I have Ezekiel Elliott, Duke Johnson, and Frank Gore at running back. I have Jordy Nelson, uh, Demarius Thomas, and Golden Tate at wide receiver. And I have Gary Barnage as the lone tight end through nine rounds so that that is my roster so i'll let everybody else be the judge of how good my roster really is what about you calm
1: yeah so obviously you mentioned firstly there'll be some people out there maybe haven't uh have been sleeping under a rock didn't hear scott on the show two weeks ago scott fish and uh, don't know what's going on so the special circumstances of running back is uh, a point two five points per carry uh then tight ends are getting a full point ppr and then any other position to get a reception is getting a half point uh, there for the PPR. Obviously as well, you can start two quarterbacks in this league, so it's uh, there's a lot of uh, little nuances in it, but when you look at the team, you know, I'm not a big Kurt Cousins fan, but when it comes to fantasy football and the production he showed last year, I think he's definitely a value at where you got him. You've Andrew Luck, I think that speaks for itself. We're expecting a bounce back year from him. Ezekiel Elliott, I know how high you are on him, Doug, and uh, you're not the highest. I've seen a couple, and including my division, uh, 101 uh, took... Uh, Ezekiel Elliott so well, that was very very high in this uh, format as well and we've talked about Frank Gore a couple of times in the show and I think you know with the position you know and the value we're talking about the point two. Uh, five points per carry and so on. I think Gore has value. It's going to be interesting to see if any other running backs come in there and put him under pressure this season. But as things stand right now, I think uh, that's another running back that could prove to be some value there, even though he is really ramping up in years. And then Jordy Nelson coming off the injury. I think Demarius Thomas was exceptional value. And then Golden Tate, I'm not really sold on uh, the Lions this season, but Golden Tate out of the receivers there would definitely be my choice. I'm not a fan there of... Uh, Amir Abdullah heading into the season you know I think he'll find it hard to uh, get a huge workload so I think we're going to see more uh, you know the the PPR or the half point PPR help Golden Tate along running down through my offense and uh, you know I've started off on this um, I had 104 was my first pick and I went with Odell Beckham you know there's a couple of quarterbacks and running backs went prior to that then I went uh, with Keenan Allen so running down through the whole depth of the team um, I'm pretty happy overall with how it's looking. I've uh, Marcus Mariota and Tony Romo as my quarterbacks, Giovanni Bernard, Mark Ingram, and Charles Sims at the running back position, then Keenan Allen, uh, Odell Beckham, and then Matt Harmon's man, Tyler Lockett, <laughs> at wide receiver, and then Greg Olson. So I think, you know, looking at the team, I think so far it's very balanced, and I think I'm higher on mo- than most people on Marcus Mariota. I took him as the first quarterback, and then Romo just continued to fall, which I'm surprised about, Doug. Just on the situation with Tony Romo, I put it out on Twitter, and I got a lot of feedback on it. Obviously, he came uh, coming off two uh, collarbone injuries last year, both in that non inju- or non thrown shoulder, it was the same shoulder that he injured both times. He fell to me. I'm just going to check here what round we go to in a two-quarterback league. Uh, the seventh round, 76 pick overall, pick 704. Uh, if you're looking at a two-quarterback format, do you... <laughs> Do you see any reason, and even in redrafting single quarterbacks, that Tony Romo, who I'd say last year with the injury, uh, which caused him to miss the majority of the season, uh, he's been kind of parentally a top ten uh, quarterback. Any reason that you can't see him bouncing back to that this year?
2: Um, so I think obviously he'll score more points, barring injury, than he did last. <laughs> did
1: that drop, um, drop in knowledge.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I it may be bold. It may not be. I don't know. uh but. Um, so I actually had a choice, uh, between Stafford and cousins, but Tony Romo was also there when I picked my second QB and I did not go with Romo. I'm not saying I don't like him. I just thought that with cousins, I think there's more upside to him just because they're going to be throwing a lot. The thing with, with Romo, he's getting up there in age. I'm I'm just concerned. Um, maybe not so much an injury, but yes, Tony Romo consistently does well, but who does he have really to throw to besides Des Bryant I mean, Jason Witten, very reliable, but he's got to be, I don't even know how old now. Farty he's got to be, yeah, he's got to be like 40, 50 years old. Um,
1: Older than Frank and, Gore.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you got Des Bryant, obviously, a top 10, maybe top five wide receiver in the NFL, and you, it, their their, their wide receiver situation is horrible behind him. We saw that last year when Des went down with injury, with uh, Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, Devin Street, all those guys just, fell flat in the face in the opportunity to get more touches yeah. um so i'm concerned about the wide receiver depth um the running back depth i'm not sure that Ezekiel is going to be a guy that's going to catch the ball a lot um i think he's going to be a, a guy who could play third down because he's actually pretty decent at pass protection we could see him get like 25 catches on the season i know Darren McFadden got like 40 last year when uh, he came on after randall was released yeah. um so, you know, we could see potentially, you know, a mix of maybe it's uh, Darren McFadden. We know Alfred Morris isn't going to do anything in the past game. So I would say Darren McFadden, maybe Elliott, maybe uh, Lance Dunbar. But the thing is, do we know if he's even going to be on the, on the roster week one? What's going on? So I think my issue besides health is, and he's done this before, no doubt. He's been able to produce without Anybody else, really, besides maybe Dez and Jason Witten, can he keep doing that? He's certainly got the offensive line, but he just – I think he has a lack of people to throw to, or at least good people to throw to. Uh, Dez obviously still there, but Witten's getting older. Um, McFadden's going to be out, I think, into the regular season with that broken elbow. Uh, Dunbar may not even be on the the season roster when uh, he might be on PUP as he's coming back from the ACL tear. Morris isn't going to contribute in the past game. Their wide receivers, like we already said, aren't going to. So my concern would probably be, does he have enough people to throw to? Or are they going to go more run-heavy?
1: Yeah. I, I have to agree with a lot of the points that you made there, but then, you know, you're going to... Look at this format as well. There's no negative points in this league for interception. So if you have that poor defense, so we're, expecting, we're expecting them to be throwing the ball a lot more. Uh, obviously, Dez Bryant wasn't playing last year. Uh, obviously, Tony Romo wasn't playing last year either, so that doesn't really matter. But you know, if you get Des back, them wide receivers that didn't really do a lot last year might have a little bit more help uh, to, to try and get some openings uh, when they're playing in this offense. I'm not really pushed about the guys that he's playing to, but it was more a case that I hadn't planned to take Tony Romo in this uh, format, but when he was falling down to quarterback 20 is where I got him, and I definitely think that at the end of the season he'll finish. If he stays healthy, uh, I'm not even worried if Des stays healthy. I just think if he stays healthy in general, he's bound to finish uh, higher than quarterback 20. And what I'm always trying to get in these leagues is to try and get the value that if you take him at one position, that he's going to get you a value of a finish higher than that and uh, I find it very hard to believe that Tony Romo won't be higher than quarterback 20 when we get to the end of the season. Uh, moving on now obviously we, uh, we're we teaming up with Fantrax. Um, they host great leagues on their website. I know Doug's part of a huge amount of them and I'm looking forward to getting aboard and joining up in my first one of them. We're uh, joining up with their salary cap leagues. There's a $2,000 grand prize. It is $30 to enter but when you're entering with uh, the OTI code, you're going to get $5 back in credit for using that site. It's 12 team leagues, 1 in 4 chance of winning in each league, but then if you do win your league, you do go into that uh, grand prize salary cap section of it, and you can win $2,000. So I don't think any, if I win $2,000, I'm going to be quite happy. Uh, $30 buy-in, uh, if you use OTI as the end of your team name, you will get a $5 credit added to your account to play in any of their leagues, to play in any of their weekly leagues and so on and it's very very in-depth very very up-to-date website it is fantrax.com they're on twitter as well it's at fantrax so all you have to do if you want to get involved in that league uh, if you want more information you can obviously tweet at overtime ireland or tweet doug at demure nfl but uh finish your team, say your team is Overtime Ireland, so it's Overtime Ireland, and just finish it with OTI, and uh, they will see that as you register on your account, and uh, they'll credit your account back with that five extra dollars, so well worth it, me and Doug's going to be playing on it, or a chance to go against us and uh, try and beat us, I don't think you'll be able to beat us, <laughs> hopefully not anyway, if we're if we're giving out uh, too good of advice, maybe you'll beat us this season, but that is fantracks.com tracks with a X, so it's fan, com. So with all them plugs done out of the way, let's jump into our guest. It's Christopher Harris. Hi, this is Greg
2: Rosenthal and you're listening to the Overtime
1: Ireland podcast. So, joined on the show now by Christopher Harris, a lot of you'll know him from, uh, obviously, his appearances here on the podcast, that's what he's most well-known for, but of course, his, uh, his own podcast, the Harris Football Podcast, one of the, the most well-known in the fantasy football industry, harrisfootball.com, where you can find all his rankings and so on and so forth, but Chris, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show once again, and uh, thanks for jumping aboard.
0: Thank you for having me, I'm a three-timer, I think yeah. I, need, I need a hat, or maybe a shirt, or like a belt or something.
1: Yeah, well, uh, there's listeners out there and followers on Twitter know that there's new OTI t-shirts uh, should be here this week. So I don't know, maybe if you come on uh, up to a fifth time, I'll, I'll send you one of those. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But um, obviously, I had you on eh, just at the end of last season, not long after the Super Bowl. It was one of the shows while I was in Australia to, you know, we're, I can't actually, what do we, we previewed a redraft strategy, I think it was. So uh, you can go back and listen to that one after you hear this one. But it was a lot of fun back then. And, you know, we're starting to get to that time of the year where people are really starting to think about redraft and you know getting getting back into it so uh, kind of after that fourth of july weekend people start to, to seep back out of the woodwork but um, when when we're talking this time of year there's obviously not a lot going on i've noticed in your podcast the last uh, this week in particular you, the one i listened to today you were previewing the nfc north and uh, today we're going to kind of jump aboard that trend and preview the afc north there's just not as uh, much going on so i think it's perfect time to start to to look ahead and to preview some teams and we're going to start off on this one with the baltimore ravens obviously uh the wide, there's the baltimore ravens more than probably any team in the nfl at the moment have just such a mismatch at different positions there is a lot of talent on the team but it's hard to differentiate between who will be the guy to have on your roster uh, come the midpoint of the season and who could win you that fantasy championship I know last year uh, you were big against Justin Forsett but we'll talk about the running backs in a moment but starting off with the wide receivers you know you have Brashad Perryman hasn't got to take to the NFL field yet after last year in the draft Uh, you know the injuries that he's had and then Mike Wallace has come over this year in free agency somebody who's starting to pick up a little bit of buzz and uh, then you know Steve Smith coming off the injury, he's coming back, and then Kamara Aiken had a really solid season last year and might have be been slightly underrated. Out of those guys, is there any that you know you would uh, you know put your flag in and say that that's the guy you really think out of this group that does well going forward this season, or is it just too hard of a group to differentiate from?
0: You know, right now I couldn't, I couldn't say for sure who winds up best, yeah. and I would say I'm, I'm a little concerned. About, you know, like, v- value matters, too. I mean, I would take a shot on any of them, but it depends on where you get them. The, the one who I think could be great is still Steve Smith, because I've seen it very recently. You know, I, I have to think back a long time to the days when Mike Wallace was good and for fantasy, and you, you can blame Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater, but I think a better receiver, a more varied receiver, probably does more than he did which is essentially sulk and do nothing uh brashad perryman i would love to see him actually in a uniform I'm gonna believe it when i see it yeah. and kamar aiken is a, a player i like but very limited a possession guy uh probably will be a top 50 fantasy receiver but almost no chance of him being a top 30 fantasy receiver so smith is the one and and for the moment he's outside my top 30 receivers in a redraft league this year but i I want to see him run, you know, I, it always is that question about what can these guys actually do in training camp that will change our opinions and make us believe, oh, these guys coming back from injuries, for sure, they're healthy and ready to go, like, we've got a lot of those questions, and of course, the teams are always going to say they're way ahead of schedule, the teams are always going to say they look great, and they're not going to play much in the preseason, so a torn Achilles, not the the death knell that it used to be. I remember Demarius Thomas suffering it three or four years ago in January and coming back and being able to play by week one, and Steve Smith's his injury happened in week eight of last year, but he's a 37-year-old guy, and there's no guarantees. Um, he's the one who I think has the upside. He was awfully good before he got hurt last year, defying the age odds, faded clearly two years ago. Maybe he would have faded last year if he hadn't gotten hurt, but I think there's at least first-half value potentially to be had with Steve Smith if we can convince ourselves he's back from the Achilles.
1: Yeah, it is hard to know. You know, that Achilles injury, and especially when you mention that age as well, it's just a, a tough one to call. Prairieman as well it's really tough I think you know if he gets on the field the talent is there he's not somebody I was high on coming out of college so I, I would probably let him go past me too I think Aiken last year he's somebody who still hasn't been talked up much in the fantasy community he's kind of one of those guys going under the radar but he had a quite solid season last year and quietly could be the value there and then Mike Wallace as you mentioned you know coming from Teddy Bridgewater you're linking up with Joe Flacco who is one of the best arms in the league so we could see you know that link up as well uh, Doug any of those that you're particularly interested in heading into the season? Yeah, I think we're going to see a huge upgrade
2: in terms of what we can expect out of the Ravens, obviously when Joe Flacco went down with his uh, his ACL injury last year, uh, they, they just had a horrible situation at quarterback. I can't even remember who it was. I know Ryan Mallett was there at the end of the season. Uh, I can't remember who was there um, right after Flacco got hurt. But they still threw the ball a ton last year. Um, and I think part of it was when Forsett went down with his uh, – I know we'll talk about him a little bit, but when he d- went down with his broken arm, um, they, they definitely threw the ball a lot. And really, there was not much to do in terms of their, their wide receivers. Steve Smith had suffered a torn Achilles. Uh, Brashad Perriman wasn't playing. Uh, Mike Wallace obviously wasn't on the team. And Kamarikin was just kind of there and he was sort of the main recipient of it. Um, I, I actually disagree with, with, uh, with UCom. I think he's actually talked up quite a bit. Um, I think a lot of people sort of like, uh, they sort of put him in that group with Willie Sneed, who they, they think can make your, your, make or break your fantasy team. But, um, I think that, you know, if you had to pick one wide receiver, um, I, I would maybe lean towards what Chris said with Steve Smith. Um, you know, it is, he's going to be going to his age 37 season, coming off a torn Achilles um He is coming back for his last season, so maybe he he sort of pulls a Kobe last NBA game and and stretches it to a whole season where he he just goes crazy. But uh, I don't know if if it's worth mentioning. I'll ask Chris. Maybe he's got some sources on this. I think I read something where Steve Smith said once he gets 1,000 receptions, he might even just call it quits. Um, so i do not I don't listening
0: know what... to what players say. We're not listening to what players Smoke say. not listening to what players <laughs> say.
2: Okay. Um, so I, I think it's just, I think it's going to take time in training camp and preseason to see. Um, I just, there's really, there's just a ton of uh, playmakers. It's just who can separate themselves, who's healthy, who's not healthy, and, and who on the, who's going to be where on the depth chart. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing, but I would probably keep my eye on uh, Steve Smith and Kamar Akin, if anybody, right now
1: yeah and no, it's good I always like when somebody disagrees with me on the show but I think uh, Doug when you look at it because we're part of kind of a community that's on Twitter talking about these players throughout the off season, maybe we think that they're being talked up more but I think if you ask the average uh, you know drafter heading into they're starting to listen to podcasts now they probably have no idea even who Kamar Aiken is unless they owned him last year you know you asked who was the other quarterbacks uh, towards the end of the season Ryan Mallett finished the season but they also had Matt Schaub and Jimmy Clausen and oh you know, that's right that, that was a real mismatch there at that situation but if you look over the last eight weeks of the season he had 50 catches 611 yards and three touchdowns so you know there was that uh flash from him we'll see what he can do when there is more targets around but uh you mentioned as well you know the the standard of how much was being passed last year by flacco he was on pace for 661 attempts last year you know so <laughs> mark tressman really already had started to put a little bit of a stamp on the offense before flacco went out so we'll see when he comes back and just on the i uh, probably at the end i'm actually i'll wait to that and gr- group all these quarterbacks probably together but you know we already mentioned Forset a couple of times and you know chris i think we all kind of know your feelings on him but out of the the four that they have there at the minute forset set dixon allen and talia who's Hanging on there at the edge of the roster. Um, what way are you looking at it uh, heading in now to 2016? It's, um, you know you weren't high on Forsett for, for last year at his value. This year, could he be Could he be a bit more valuable?
0: Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, you're probably just better off staying away from every Raven. So I say, no, I mean, Forsett's a fine little player, but he's too small. He's going to get hurt if he gets too big a workload. And I think they know that, and therefore they have... I'm gonna say three guys. Maybe I'll say I can sort of convincingly now be, be done with Lorenzo Taliaferro. But the other three guys, sure, I'm interested in, and uh, they're they're fine players. There's nothing outstanding about any of them. You know, I think Kenneth Dixon is a guy I liked a lot in the draft. He just lands in a place where you're not gonna to get to see the best of him at least to start, and he already had six questions, so he joins two other guys. So I've, uh, Buck Allen's not small, but he's not a super physical player, and, you know, the film was fine on for set before he got hurt, and I think he's a pretty good player, but you're going to ride him to the ground, you're going to suffer the consequences, and uh, hopefully Baltimore isn't going to ride him to the ground for their sake, but for fantasy's sake, you know, that means he's got 12 touches this week, and Buck Allen has 10, and Dick has 8. That doesn't help anybody
1: yeah I agree it's uh, I think it's probably one of the backfields that I'm going to stay away the most from heading into this season I don't see me having any part of any of it and another situation in in dynasty leagues in particular I have a few shares of Max Williams but then when you look at this tight end situation with Dennis Pitta uh, coming back off that hip injury which I really didn't think he would ever come back from uh, you know finishing up that season where they won the Super Bowl they looked terrific down the stretch but then obviously they've taken in Watson as well who had a nice season last year with the Saints this is another area that's very hard to decipher when it comes to who you want in 2016
2: uh yeah so uh, i would just say that um it's it's definitely a a discombobulated situation uh especially with um word that uh dennis pitta might actually be recovering well uh but obviously they they drafted max williams last year uh in the second round and 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 then they signed ben watson over the offseason and then they still have crockett gilmore who I think is serving a suspension, but will be ready after. So um, probably a situation to avoid. I think the probably the highest upside guy is probably the young guy in in uh, Max
0: Williams.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree there, but still in the uh, redraft situation, probably staying away. Uh, jumping on now, we'll go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, Tyler Eifert and the ankle injury. There's concerns now they're just going to miss some time to start the season, the first couple of weeks probably there. Um Chris, what's your thoughts uh, going into the season? I've seen him sliding down a lot of people's uh, rankings for 2016.
0: Yeah, he slid down mine too. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where when you hear rosy things from NFL teams, you can feel free to ignore them, but when you hear scary things like we don't know how long he's going to be out, <laughs> that's not <Stay> good. <laughs> so, I I I had him I can't remember maybe 6 or something like that when the when the spring or late, you know, early summer started and I have him at 12 among tight ends right now. Yeah. Um probably already do for a, t- a touchdown regression although that's probably way overstated like if if your your neighbor knows one thing about tyler eifert for fantasy it's oh touchdown regression like yeah i mean maybe it's still possible he's really good in the red zone and often when they got him in the red zone they lined up one on, one on one on the outside against a corner and he would eat that guy's lunch so uh not impossible that he would get a lot of touchdowns however impossible if he's not playing so uh i think you probably need to think of him as more of a you know a higher upside second tight end you know or maybe in a deep league you wait and wait and wait and take him and then take someone else right away
1: yeah then uh you know obviously with him being out aj green is kind of the, the prime target there Mohammed sanu moved on in the the summer and obviously they have uh, a limited amount of options at wide receiver a couple of young guys and then obviously the veteran scenario there as well but do you see him being a guy that should be pushed up close to that there top kind of you know, six, seven range, uh, you know, and standard and certainly in PPR leagues. You know,
0: for me, AJ Green is doesn't doesn't move, but he doesn't move for the good or the bad. He He's in the top tier. If somebody wanted to tell me he was their number one receiver, I probably couldn't argue with it too strenuously. Yeah. I mean, he's a great player. And, you know, what bummed us out about him in 2014 is that he was injured. And last year he was, you know, probably the healthiest he's ever been. Scores a touchdown in five of his last six games, which certainly helps. But all you need to do is watch him on film and know, you know, you, you can't really double cover him because all Andy Dalton has to do is throw up in the air. Uh, great, great player. And if you take him at the end of your first round, it's a good idea. It's fine. Um, I i wouldn't say the Eifert situation changes my mind. See, the thing is, you can always it's, – it's the crutch argument. You can always make the case having more varied – yeah. aerial weapons is great for the guy because he won't see as much coverage you know having fewer variation in aerial weapons is great for the guy because it means he gets more targets like you can make that case ba- i just want a really great player and he's a really great player so uh you know someone else there will probably wind up with a lot of targets heaven forbid if it's brandon lafell
1: <laughs> but uh you know the, the guy you want is aj green yeah, I didn't mention him by name. I said the veteran option, obviously. I was talking with Brandon LaFell, <laughs> but I think we'll all stay away from him probably uh, this season. The Part of this team that I'm really interested in is the running back situation. I'm not a big Jeremy Hill fan. In fact, I'm probably the opposite of a, a fan. If you can, you can, know, if you, I don't want to get harsh on the game, but uh, I'm much higher on Gio Bernard going into this season than I was last season as well. Uh, I think he's more of a plotter. With um, the two running backs there, Gio or Hill, which would you rather? Um, obviously, in PPR, it probably you know it helps... Uh, Giovanni Bernard and then in standard you're looking more at uh, Hill but just in general out of the two which would you rather have
0: I think you nailed it in a standard I think I have to prefer Hill because it's likelier that he scores you touchdowns now four of them might come in the same game and that's not as helpful but uh, who I want on my NFL team who I want on my pro football team to be a winner I want Gio Bernard I think he's a quite a good player uh, but he's in a situation where the, between the tackles, looks are probably not his as frequently, and uh, that that matters. Uh, so you know, if I'm in drafting in a standard scoring league, I, I probably do take Hill, but I, I have him 19th among running backs. And you know, on my show, I always refer to him as the hippo on roller skates <laughs> because he really can't move. You know, he can't, he doesn't change directions well. And yeah. uh, you know, I heard people last year saying how he was a candidate to lead the NFL in carries, and I'm like, I just think you're smoking crack. And he he is what he is. He's fine. He's just the poster child of that two down one direction, um, you know, build up speed. It's not like if you, if you give him 15 yards, he can get going. That's great. But you know, he's, he's not going to dance around people. And Gio actually is a player. I like a lot, but, He is in that borderline, you know, 5'11, 205 sort of area where I say, okay, not too small to succeed and stay healthy, but I don't know that I would want to give him 20
1: carries a game. So uh, PPR, I have Geo higher. Standard, I have Hill higher. Yeah, last season he started off and he was getting quite a few carries, and you could see as the season went on, his body started to wear down just that lack of size in the NFL and uh, that there hurt him going. But I think, as you know, if it was player for player, I would rather have him on my team than uh, Hill. Uh, then bouncing on just uh, to the Cleveland Browns, and we have a big mismatch of quarterbacks. I don't know if you want to talk about any of them, if you want to skip past them all. <laughs> is any of them worthwhile talking about? We've seen this week. We've heard about how good Robert Griffin can throw the ball over a fence that's 20 <laughs> foot away from the sidelines. But, uh, you know, we talked a few weeks ago, me and Doug, and we almost were you know, advocating Josh McCown as the starter. Is there, a, <laughs> well, is there anybody here worth fantasy rostering? I'd uh, love to started? hear that. I'd love to
0: hear that story. If Doug <laughs> wants to... To give me the Josh, the pro Josh McCown story? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I never
2: would refuse a moment to talk about Josh
0: McCown. <laughs> My favorite uh, player. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I love Josh McCown, especially in fantasy. Um, you know, when you thought about last year uh, when Josh McCown started, um, you know, he, you know, was a journeyman. He had had a good year, I think in Tampa Bay uh, and uh, you know, the, the Browns gave him a good contract. And uh, he actually did. I, I know, obviously, he missed, I think, half the season due to injuries uh, various times of the year. But um, he actually threw, I think, 12 touchdowns to uh, four interceptions, which is a nice three to one ratio. And uh, threw for, I want to say, you know, close to 250, 260 per game.
0: Yeah. Um, the problem with all this is that if you watch him play, he's not good. Like, <laughs> no, you, I, I you can that. make it, numbers, but you want, you know, past statistics are not that uh, indicative of future statistics all the time. You
2: know? I, no, no, no. That's completely fair. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's kind of like the, uh, I would guess you could say sort of the, you know, the garbage time sort of situation where. Not
0: even. Not even. Like sometimes Travis Benjamin just makes a big play. If there's an 80 well, yard well, play that Travis Benjamin makes, right? You know?
2: Right. No, I understand that. Yeah. It, it's more so, you know, it was just a combination of Josh McCown was there. Help put Gary Barnage on the map, and then help put Travis Benjamin on the map. I'm not saying that uh, Josh McCown did that, but you know when when Josh McCown was on the field as opposed to Johnny Manziel, it just happened to be that those three players in combination, when they were on the field in, in 2015, they all seemed to just do well with each other. Gary mm-hmm. Barnage started becoming a, a very relevant fantasy tight end. Travis Benjamin was being a, you know like a top 30 t- a wide receiver, and McCown maybe wasn't a fantasy relevant. QBs, but um, you know, it, it just, uh, you know, he, he was doing pretty well stat-wise, and then he had some injuries and stuff like that, but um, no, yeah, I think-
0: yeah. He's bad. We, we shouldn't spend too much on Josh yeah. McCown here. He's bad at football. I mean, that, that the problem with relying on past stats is they can fool you into thinking somebody like Josh McCown's a good player and he's not, and he's probably not making this team. I'll, I'll ask you guys this question. Josh McCown, a better chance of being Cleveland's week one starter or the Jets' week one
1: starter? <laughs> Um, oh, Geno message the Jets Week one starter, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, I don't think I, I don't think the Jets can afford Josh McCown.
2: That's the problem. Well, once he's cut, they can because he's gone. Well, if he's well, if he's cut, I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen anything positive really about Robert Griffin. Is it really yeah. that out of the picture that? Possibly Cody Kessler does something in training camp? Or, yes, or...
0: That it's not going to be Cody Kessler. It's not going to be uh, the kid from Kansas City. It's it's McCown, if they cut RG3, it's McCown. If RG3's on the team, McCown's gone. He's making too much.
2: I don't think they cut RG3, so I guess by definition that would have
0: to be him. Uh, oh, I mean, they could cut him. They could cut RG3. It's not out of own possibility. Listen, if you have a good point. if he, You guys both do. If he's throwing... If if bad news is already leaking out about RG three in minicamp, it's possible he's so bad they can't keep him. They didn't give him a ton of money, so no, it's, it is very possible. I, I will not rule that out. But if it's if RG three is on that team, Josh McCown almost certainly is not.
2: They're going to draft a new quarterback next year, so I guess yeah. it's all for mood. I guess
0: <laughs> no, no. It's a, so anyway. Okay, so you know we'll skip the quarterback, but that's part of the story. <laughs> there, Which you know with in Cleveland, if you don't have a quarterback, and I would argue they don't. And you let your really good center and, you know, marginally good guard walk. Uh, you certainly talk about letting your left tackle go at some point. You basically cut every non-veteran wide receiver, and even every non-rookie wide receiver other than, uh, who's the kid who used to be with since Andrew Hawkins. Uh, this is not an offense you want to be owning parts of. This is going to be a very bad offense. And, and I actually think uh, that Doug maybe buried the lead there and, and said the smartest thing that anybody can say about the Browns is like, why would this team try to be competitive why wouldn't they be in the in it for the number 1 this was a bad quarterback class they tried to get out of the out of the two hole and did uh and like next year is going to be a better quarterback class so why you know this is going to be a bad team and i don't particularly you know I, can somebody here you know can the tight end can the the rookie receiver maybe chalk up some nonsense stats you know like four or five times a year yeah but you're not going to know when those games are i think they're going to be very very frustrating to own yeah I let def- me
2: let me ask you this chris do you think it's a better offense than than last year
0: i think it's a significantly worse offense than last year even, even with you guys okay yeah you, you the quarterback situation i think if if you know johnny Manziel wasn't a wasn't any worse than these guys are going to be you know and and the offensive line is significantly worse like i I think it's at least as bad an offense. Put it that way, it's is as bad or worse. But I think it's by design. You know, new new executive team. They like every Browns administration of the last twenty years have a lot of rope for a couple of years, and they are tanking, tanking, tanking. Hi, this is Ross
2: Tucker, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. It's true.
1: So we were getting a little bit heated there with Doug. We know Doug likes to bring the heat. And he's feeling under the weather, but he was really starting to, to bring some uh, fun times there as him and Chris were discussing the Cleveland Browns and the situation. And obviously you mentioned earlier, uh, Doug, that you had two players in there that were uh, in the Cleveland Browns uh, for the Scott Fish Bowl. Feeling as confident about those picks right now?
2: Um, It's not. It's certainly not helpful when
1: it's not really an endorsement for you.
2: Yeah, when, 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 when you have a guy like Chris Harris, who's obviously one of the best in the industry, um, tell you that there are no Browns worth drafting. Um,
1: <laughs> and you have two it, of them.
2: It, yeah, I have two of them, actually. So, um,
1: and your top eight picks. I, for,
2: for, for the sake of my Scott Fishbowl uh, roster, I, I'm going to have to say that Chris is wrong, and, and clearly my, my history backs that up. When you put our two pedigrees together, uh, I think you see who goes on top, obviously, uh, and that is me. So um, it, 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 it's not reassuring, but I, I can't do much about it now. So I'm gonna uh, maybe blindly go in and 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 uh, say that this was these were great picks, and and he doesn't know what he's talking about and stuff like that. But I'm hoping Chris is wrong in the end. And And I don't think you can say that Chris is wrong too often, but I hope that maybe in this one rare occasion he is.
1: Yeah, Chris is somebody that I've been following along uh, for a long, long time since he was at ESPN, the Fantasy Underground. Him along with Phil Phil Yates doing the podcast back then, Phil now obviously with the the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And uh, it's just uh, an interesting situation, you know, talking about the Browns not a lot to get your high hopes up on, but obviously there we didn't get to the Steelers. Uh, My internet connection decided that it wasn't going to work. It kind of decided to crash on board. And so we left the Steelers out, but uh, Chris, obviously I mentioned at the start, the Harris football podcast and uh, a great, great show. I'm, you know, great guests every week. I'm always honored to get good guests on here. But Chris, obviously, uh, with his reputation in the industry, has great guests on on each and every show. At the minute, he's two shows a week. Uh, he's, he mentioned on today's show that that'll be ramping up around the start of August to a show every day. And of course, he does his football rankings as he was talking about there, the PPR and standard on harrisfootball.com. And uh, the last plug I have for Chris um, is the Juggernaut Pod. He's been doing it over the last couple of weeks. A new venture he has, if you're familiar with his podcast, uh, obviously. Talk sometimes about music, books, films, and so on on it. Well, The Juggernaut's kind of an a outlet for him to do more of that stuff, talk more about that, and uh, it is well worth a listen. If you like that kind of the music uh, digressions and so on that he has on his podcast, I would definitely recommend uh, checking it out. It is online as well at com, but of course available on iTunes and all that as, long, as well as his own podcast. So I do apologize to Chris for the internet cutting out, but I did tell him, I would uh, plug all the stuff he's got going on. And yeah, also, before I wrap it up, a fantasy football almanac coming out in the next couple of weeks. So go to his site, you can uh, sign up to get that when it comes out. So, Doug, I've uh, wrapped up the segment with uh, Chris there in a kind of an interesting way, but we're going to move on now to. Well, you mentioned earlier, we didn't actually talk about um, too much about Gary Barnage, you did draft him. Is he somebody you think can replicate what he did last season in fantasy football? Obviously, came from absolutely nowhere—a waiver wire pickup in a lot of leagues. I picked him up in a couple of dynasty leagues too. Proves should be tremendous value. Uh, do you think he's somebody like when you're looking around this team? You know, there's Corey Coleman. There's not a hell of a lot else, and there's really no veteran presence outside of Gary Barnidge at the pass catching position uh, at the moment. Is he still? I think you would have to look at him as the the number one passing option in this offense.
2: Yeah, I would I so here's the thing. The thing that I, I, I might disagree with on Chris is besides the offensive line and taking out judgments, I, I, I don't think a lot about this offense changed. That's the thing. Obviously they still their running backs, they still have Gary Barnage, they still have Josh McCown, their offensive line it did get a little worse. They lost Alex Mack, Andrew Schwartz. To free agency, obviously they did a major overhaul with their wide receiver core. They lost Travis Benjamin, uh, East, uh Brian Hartline, and then they drafted four. I want to say four wide receivers in the draft: uh, Coleman, uh, Ricardo, uh, Ricardo Lewis, uh, Jordan Payton, and Rashad um, Higgins. So the thing is, is that I don't think there was a lot of expectations. I think outside of um, their wide receiver act. I, just, I don't see there's much of a difference. That's the thing. Because I think their quarterback situation is still not ideal at all. I think, obviously, their quarterback situation changed much. Um, their wide receivers did change, but I still think it's one of the lower units in the league. Obviously, a lot of rookies, not a lot of proven bets besides the major rockins. So it, it, I don't think there was high strategic for their wide receiver core last year, and they surprised, but I think they the same thing this year could sort of. Corey Cohen put up to Travis Benjamin type production, possibly. So I think we can expect the same out of the wide receiver core or tight ends. didn't change. obviously, Gary Barnes is still the guy there. And and the quarterbacks, you take out Johnny Ozell and you put in Robert Griffin III. There is not that much of a difference besides the offensive line. I think in terms of in terms of the level of talent or what we expect out of them. So I think Gary Barnage obviously, signed a an extension. During the season last year, he's going to be with him for two more years. I think he's clearly their most proven weapon. Um, and and maybe this is the, the part of me where because I drafted him, I have to speak up for him. I have to be positive and hope that because I see positively that uh, I'm giving myself a false sense of hope. So I don't think this offense changed a whole lot in terms of expectations. I think Hugh Jackson coming in, obviously one of the best offensive minds I pick in the game. I think, like he did with Eifert last year, I think we definitely see production again out of Gary Barnage. Maybe not the side of uh, the sort of scorched fire we saw where he just went on a tear because um, I think at one point he was actually the number two tight end uh, behind uh, uh, Gronkowski. So I still think that Gary Barnage is at least a top eight tight to end I would possibly he could have a top five year. I don't think it's necessarily a lock, but I think in terms of, you know, the offense he's in, the type of role he'll have, and hopefully he's healthy, I think he could be a top five guy. uh, Yes, uh,
1: I'm still confident in Gary Barnage. Yeah, it is one of those ones that, (laughs) I I picked him up in a lot of leagues last year, uh, particularly in Dynasty when the seasons were over, I tried to sell him off for whatever I could get, and, it's interesting in the situation he's in I think there is definitely a possibility for him to to get peppered with targets you know and uh, he did show some great athleticism last year that uh, obviously we hadn't seen we didn't know he had up until uh, well we didn't know this time last year anyway but uh, we'll see how he does Doug for you in that SFB 480 Uh, next team up is the last team to talk about it is the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously we're looking at you know Ben Roethlisberger without Martavis Bryant we were thinking going into this season that he was going to be you know the guy to have really because of the amount of times they were going to throw it because of the playmakers around him and you're going into it now he's missing out Martavis Bryant from the suspension and uh, you know when we look around this team Le'Veon Bell seems to be on the comeback trail there's you know doubts are being kind of fanned away with him being confident he's gonna be ready for training camp And then when you uh, look around, obviously, Antonio Brown's a guy to have. And then Kobe Fleener, there's a lot of people high on him. I'm not as much on that train, but I'll let you give your thoughts, Doug, first on the Pittsburgh Steelers as a whole. Yes, I think you mean Ladarius Green, actually. Or sorry, Um, Ladarius Green, sorry.
2: (laughs) um, So I think this offense has a a real chance to be, obviously, an offensive juggernaut again in 2016. We We really didn't actually miss a beat last year when uh when Leon Bell went down with his knee injury because De'Angelo Williams actually like was a top five uh fantasy running back when he took over the role as a starter guy for them um obviously the 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 change uh with Martavis Bryant out for the year now with that suspension i think is a big hit and i don't think people realize how big of a because I think he's a really good vertical threat for them. Young, he's fast, he's, uh, you know, he, can, he can get on the field very quickly, and I, I think that that's going to hurt them. Um, I don't think that Sammy Coates is going to be ready to step into that role. I think that's what he is long-term, but he is only going to be going into a sophomore season where I don't even think he's active most weeks uh, for the team last year. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, a lot of people are high on Marcus Wheaton. I'm not so much because uh, he's Marcus Wheaton. Uh, <laughs> but being the number two wide receiver in Pittsburgh, I guess, does have its perks. Um, obviously, Le'Veon Bell coming back, I think he's a top five, top three running back if healthy. But that's a big if. That's a really big if because he has dealt with injuries over the past two seasons, uh, and to be more specific, knee injuries, which, uh, which you know, he didn't have a torn ACL. He suffered a uh, torn MCL, uh, but still a, a major ligament in your knee. So, uh, But it looks like he'll be ready for training. He's looking good so far, so you only have to hope. But, you know, Aaron Foster looked good at times, and then he got injured, too. So, uh, but I think D'Angelo Williams is a perfect handcuff to have. Uh, I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to play all 16 games. Um, I don't. It's just because I, I can't have... You have to draft as if he is and you have to project him off of it, but I don't think he's going to be. Um, and the guy you're not high on, but I'm high on. <laughs> that's Ladarius Green. I love Ladarius Green. And it's all you want about him is not going to change a thing. So the reason behind that is I wasn't that big of a fan of him in San Diego. Part of it He's stuck behind Antonio Gates. Yep. That's a problem. But now, there's nobody else. They they got a massive upgrade in the receiving game when, um, uh, oh God, what's the tight end's name? Heath Miller. Heath Miller. Yeah, when Heath Miller retired, Heath Miller, obviously a dependable guy. You know, he, you know, was a good blocker, but he wasn't doing much in the receiving game. Entering Ladarius Green. Ladarius Green! (laughs) And, um,. I think he's a highly athletic guy who has sure hands and uh, is, is one of the better vertical tight ends in the league. Uh, health is an issue. He uh, did suffer concussions last season. He is coming off of offseason. I think it's either foot or ankle surgery. And uh, he did not practice. But you have to think about it this way. You take on Martavis Bryant and you're going to have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell but you're going to need a sure number three guy. That's, that's going to be but it's going to be Ladir Le- Green. Yeah. I think Ladir Le- Green, in offense, even if he plays 14, 15 games, because typically he doesn't always stay healthy through the season, but I think he has a better chance of playing you know, 16 games than Le'Veon Bell. If he hits 14, 15, I don't see a reason why he won't have a top six fantasy season. And he's currently being drafted like a top, I want to say top 10 to top twelve. I will take that every day because he's young, He's a great vertical guy. He's in arguably one of the best uh, offenses, uh, but also passing offenses in the, in the NFL, and uh, their defense sucks. So they're going to have a lot. So they're going to rack up the score, and they're going to need somebody in the red zone. And guess who that's going to be? That's giving my boy Ladarius Green. And I hope we're. I'm actually going to tweet this out to him when we when we tweet out the podcast. I really hope that he'll come on and, and uh, sort of like what we saw with with Matt Harmon and Alan Robinson, I think that, that, uh, I think Ladarius Green is my Alan Robinson. Uh,
1: The Uh, so is it, there.
2: It, it's The Love is there. There's a lot of love to give and I'm giving it all to, to Ladarius Green. So I have to strongly uh, disagree with you.
1: Um, am I going to give my thoughts now or are we waiting to see if Ladarius Green agrees to come on the podcast?
2: <laughs> uh, I think we have some time to hear your thoughts. I mean, if you keep talking bad about green i have i i think it 's well of my rights to to tell you that uh you're you 're going to be wrong but uh, i'll i i will try to restrain myself.
1: Uh, when you look at just around the tight end position, you know obviously he was behind Antonio Gates, which gives him a great uh, chance to learn the game, learn from one of the greats, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer. But every time we've seen him on the field, it's been you know either he didn't produce it or he produced it in very sporadic attempts. And even when Gates was out, the first four games of the season last year, there was you know I wasn't overly impressed. But not even with the player's ability, my situation with tight ends is always that you know playing tight end and. I play tight end myself is looking at how much they need to know versus how much an offensive lineman needs to know or a wide receiver needs to know or even a running back needs to know you need to know all the run game concepts you need to know all the pass game concepts you need to know everything to do with the blocking and if you look at you know a lot of the, the tight ends who have changed teams over the last couple of years they haven't been fantasy relevant the following season last year just for example I know those injuries involved, but we've seen uh, Julius Thomas go to the Jags, didn't have an impact. We've seen Jimmy Graham go to the Seahawks, and even before his injury, wasn't having an impact. And then Jordan Cameron went to the Miami Dolphins, and we really didn't see anything of him. And that's just three guys that were top, say, 10 wide or tight ends. Uh, two years ago moved teams and it's very very hard for them to have an instant impact I think he definitely is a talent and I think in two or three years time he'll probably start to fit in perfectly to that system but just when you come in and you know straight into that system it can take time to adapt but I'm interested to see. He's not somebody that I... I don't think I'll own him in any leagues this season, but he's, you know, we're probably both on... uh, One of us is definitely going to be right, Doug, and one of us is uh, probably going to be wrong on this one, but uh, I'm on the opposite side of the coin there. That's all the uh, teams run through. We kind of... We did a bit, I said with Chris, that we were going to run through the quarterbacks kind of in general as a whole. Out of the quarterbacks in this division, um, obviously you'll like... Big Ben, probably, uh, you know, going into the season. But I'd say to him, would, like, Andy Dalton, any of those Browns quarterbacks are probably at the bottom of the list, and then Joe Flacco coming back off that injury. What way, just in a, a quick ranking, I think I know which way you're going to go, but just rank the order that uh, you would take them in drafts? Uh,
2: the, the the AFC North quarterbacks? Yeah. Uh, Josh McCown's first. <laughs> um, and second. No, I, I, I would actually say that in terms of, in, in terms of fantasy, yeah. I would say that it, it's it's I think it's pretty obvious. Um, I think it's Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. um, Andy Dalton, who we haven't talked about that much actually. No, and I, I just want to throw out some real quick. People are probably going to forget, but before he went down with that thumb injury, yeah, Andy Dalton up. was playing like he was yeah. playing like an MVP.
1: Yep, definitely.
2: Like not just the Bengals, like of the league. So I'm going to say that it's Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Andy Dalton, a sure number. I think there's a huge gap between. Dalton Flacco um, so I'm gonna say Flaccos number three and then um, whoever the quarterback is for for the browns who who you and I I think are, are hoping for uh, <laughs> are, are hoping for Josh McCown but as, as Chris said I, he says it doesn't matter because yeah. they're gonna suck anyway and I, I do agree that they're gonna suck but if I had to, to fight for somebody I'm gonna fight for Josh McCown
1: Yeah, well, I would agree with uh, your ranking, certainly, and the funny thing about it is I tend to be one of those, you know, late quarterback guys, so I'd probably be looking at the value you get them at and how late you can get them and what you can expect to get out of them. I'm probably a guy that, would out of those, for value purposes, would be looking at Joe Flacco. Do you tend, Doug, to be a guy that likes to get that quarterback early, likes to go and get a, you know, a Big Ben or a Drew Brees, them kind of guys, you know, in that their fourth, fifth round range and then... Or do you like to wait and uh, try and stock up on wide receivers and running backs early?
2: So typically, I try to wait on a quarterback. But as I've seen, I've seen like a guy like Drew Brees drop to the sixth round, like you mentioned him, yep. where he's been a consistently top 10 quarterback, if not top 8. So I think it, it's it's all about the situation. But yep. usually, guys I like to target, at least this year so far, in redraft in one QB leagues has typically been um, – actually, Philip Rivers has been most of my, my picks. Um, probably Philip Rivers is probably the guy I look at the most. But what I also try to do is I try to get a strong number two quarterback that I think when, you, when you're in the middle of a season and you're looking at each matchup, you're wondering who is going to be the better play that week. I want it to be sort of that situation um, because I think it's a good situation to have where you're not sure which one is going to do better, but you know both of them are going to probably do good. Um, so usually actually a guy I try to target who, again, is being vastly underrated is Andy Dalton, who I think is go- he, in the in the leagues I've done with with fan tracks, not to, to you know, I'm going to name drop them. Yeah. But uh, a lot of leagues I've done with fan tracks, um, he's been going like, you know, probably quarterback 18, 17, 18, yeah, 19, up. somewhere that, range. And, and that's that's ridiculous. Like, I I, I have to point out again You know, he did lose Muhammad Sanu and and, and, um, Marvin Jones and Hugh Jackson. He's still got A.J. Green. He's still got Tyler Eifert. He's still got Gio Bernard. I'm not that concerned that Andy Dalton can't put up top 12 numbers still um, if he's healthy. So they still have a great offensive line. I think even though we're concerned about who is the better running back for Cincinnati, again, it's a good situation to have because I think both are good in their own right. Their wide receiver situation, yeah, it's a little concerning behind – uh, behind aj green but i i think andy dalton is a guy i like to target in, in drafts as my number two quarterback because i think he's going to do a lot better than people are expecting because i think a lot of people forget that you know he he, he was on an mvp tear before he he hurt his thumb so i guess to answer your short question with a long answer um no i typically do not go after quarterbacks early i'm not a guy who goes after andrew raw uh, andrew i was trying to combine their names, Andrew Locker. Aaron Rodgers, or, or Russell Wilson, or, or Cam uh, Cam Newton. I typically try to wait, but I try to get a strong number two quarterback if I can.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. And you mentioned again Fantrax. Obviously, I mentioned at the start of the show, Fantrax.com. Uh, we're running a couple. Of, we're jumping into a couple of their leagues, um, salary cap leagues, up two thousand dollars up for grabs. Sign up is thirty dollars. But if you use OTA at the end of your team name, you'll get a five dollar uh, credit added to your account. So you'll be getting in for that twenty five dollars. Uh, just before we finish up obviously um i was playing american football i mentioned there but playing tight end i was playing american football this past week and uh grabbed a td and uh, a victory here in the irish american football league for the uh, for the donegal Derry vipers so we're 4-0 for the season heading to the bowl game at the end of august so it's been a very very successful season it's our second year and uh Glad to get on the score sheet in that one. So, really nothing else uh, to go. Obviously, Doug's on Twitter at nfl I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Um, obviously, I mentioned technical issues earlier. Hopefully, you've got through this show, and hopefully it hasn't been too much uh, of chopping and changing, and hopefully you have enjoyed it. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes, and uh, come back next week. You know it should be should be a fun week with a couple more previews. It is kind of that time of the year to uh, knock out some preview shows ahead of the season. So until I'm back uh, with the next show, and of course Doug will be back too. That is uh, probably next Tuesday. So until then, of course, have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland dot com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.